Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, Curry Smart and the Dogs, they were watching just like we were. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and our newest dogs analyst, Brian Gephardt. Welcome to the show. Brian, of course, has been covering the dogs for the last seven years, so we are excited to bring him in and be a part of our Bulldogs coverage team. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And of course, the Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, guys, this little part is not so much a party, but we'll turn it into a party eventually. But it has been 728 days since we woke up. On the second Tuesday in January, not reveling in the glory of another Georgia chip, but alas, the 2023 college football season has come to a close, came to a close last night with a brand new champion. Michigan, of course, number one, beat number two, Washington, 34 to 13 to earn that school's first natty since 1997. So they're long overdue, but we will go between the hedges and not just talk about that, but we're also going to talk about an addition to a key position group for the dogs and We'll talk about what's next up. But first, let's talk about our takeaways from Monday night. Jarvis, what did you think about the national championship game? Was it a classic for you? Was it what you expected? What did you think? What was your takeaway? To be honest with you, just the way that Michigan's defense played, I know people were kind of complaining about how handsy they were, but you know, man, I never complain about DBs being aggressive and, and getting up into guys' faces, especially you had to know that was the game plan coming in because with, with the way Michael Penny's been um, been playing as far as being the Heisman runner-up and where he was a wide receiver that he has, one of those guys probably going to go in the top 10 in the first round of the NFL draft. So when you think about that type of talent coming in, you understand why the message that Harbaugh was sending coming in, like, hey, we got to be aggressive. We got to be getting these guys' faces. And that's what you mm-hmm. saw play out. And I think that that was – that was the cool thing to see because I know one of my friend of my one of my college teammates, you know, he's been talking about Michigan all year long. He's watched every game and he's been trying to tell you, like Jarvis, man, I'll tell you, man, the defense is real. I'm like, oh, it's Michigan, man. Come on, man. What, yeah. what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> right. But to be able to witness what they've been able to do in the college football playoff and against Ohio State, just those few games right there just lets you know that, hey, these guys were for real, and some of those guys are coming back next year. Yeah, and that's the scary part. And you know, Jarvis, I can understand in your defense, it is sometimes challenging for us if 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 all three are being honest. We might have some SEC bias here and there. And also oh, you, yeah. and, and you can say in addition to the SEC bias that we have knowing that uh, the, the uh, Georgia and Alabama, I mean, and I'm giving them as the example because those are the, the top two coming out of the, the conference. When we look at those defenses, especially how Alabama's defense improved across the season, and even Georgia, remember, you know, having to be compared to last year, kind of took everybody a minute to see kind of the standouts and what they were about. I can understand how you could think to yourself, yeah, Michigan, okay, fine. I mean, who'd you really play? You know, call us 
dial us up when you get to an SEC team. Well, you got one last weekend, you know, and, and you you worked your magic, and then you worked your magic again, to your point, Jarvis, against a very, very potent Washington offense. And to his point as well, Brian, an offense that had the, the Heisman Trophy runner-up, who we also saw in his conference championship sling it all across the yard and it may seem like not a big deal to hold someone to just 27 uh, throws out of 51 uh, for 255 yards but when you're talking about that guy brian that speaks volumes yeah that was incredible i mean jarvis mentioned the defense and it was just the physicality on both sides of the football yes. it was big boy football can still get it done and michigan really proved that Last night, I mean, they were beating Michael Penix up. You saw him. There was that shot of him walking to the locker room, favoring the rib. And that was with the rib protector on, too. He was just getting hit and hit and hit again. And they just kept coming. I mean, and then, you know, from the offensive side for, for Michigan, 38 for 303 on the ground. That could have easily been 50 for 400. I mean, they also had four scores uh, with all that yardage. It was the physicality was at a different level for them, and they kept it up all night, even though they had a couple of moments where it was like, all right, why, why are you throwing the football? We didn't even need 18 attempts from J.J. McCarthy last night for, for this to get done for, for Michigan, but right. really impressive to hold that Washington uh, offense in check. That was my other big takeaway. Is just Even when they had those moments uh, to make some plays, they still weren't sharp. Obviously, the one uh, drop touchdown you had, they also had a third and short with the running back out of the backfield. I believe it was third mm -hmm. and three. Yep. And he mm -hmm. dropped that one in a crucial, crucial time. So Washington, when they had those moments, just just didn't have it last night. They weren't sharp as they've normally been all season long. Right. I want to ask a couple, just kind of follow up on what you said, Brian, because that's how I felt as well. Like it was big boy football all day, every day. And granted, you know, I was a little bit of an SEC hater. So I, I like stepped away for big cl clumps of time because I was like, I refuse to watch it. Yep. I was that person. Big baby. <laughs> <laughs> But when I did watch, it really was impressive. And we say this all the time. It may sound very, very cliche-ish, but you just hit, hit the nail on the head. It was big boy football. We say all the time that, hey, the game is won in the trenches. Oh, no. Michigan won that game in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Like you said, they imposed their will to the point where something that was probably uh, rudimentary, probably very basic 101 for Michael Penix and his receivers and his running back coming out of the backfield to convert that, that's like money in the bank for them. But at a point, you just get shook and you're probably looking over your shoulder, kind of feeling the ghosts of the defense saying, oh, hell no, they're probably going to come for me again. And it rattles you a little bit. And then, like you said, that could have easily been three, that 303 yards on like 38 carries could have easy, easily been, like you said, 50 carries for 400 yards and then some. And it made me kind of think we live in an age, whether that's college ball or pro ball, where it's all about the QB. But this was a situation where it was kind of going back to old school, just manage the game. Just make sure you don't make any costly errors and we will take care of the rest with the run game and we will take care of the rest on defense. Yeah, and you wonder how many teams are going to kind of take that mantra moving forward because, again, we're about to open this thing wide open from, from four teams to 12 teams. So how mm -hmm. many people can go with that old school, almost, you know, mm -hmm. Big Ten sort of Midwest mentality of your, you know, like almost like a, what you think of an Iowa or a Penn State of grinding it out and being able to do that. Michigan has did it at the highest level possible. Like, yes, J.J. McCarthy is a nice player and, and makes some really good plays during the year make smart decisions. Again, they didn't have any turnovers. They're just extremely efficient. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. how many teams look at this and go, 
okay, yeah, we got to, you obviously got to find the quarterback. You got to make plays. You got to have some playmakers. But, you know, Michigan really all season long, Quorum scored plenty of touchdowns, but they mm-hmm. didn't really have any dynamic players. Like they didn't have anybody that you were like, this is much wa- must watch TV. I got to see what this dude does on offense. Mm-hmm. They just broke people's will. They broke their spirit yes. to your point. Like they, they had them on tilt. Even when you got to the point of like that play in the second half where the questionable holding call on the right tackle there for Washington, and you mm-hmm. got Penix throwing this flat-footed dime, you know, 30 yards down the field, and they they took that back. And it's just like, man, that's our one moment that we got taken away. And just continuing to to get after them on both lines of scrimmage r- really stood out and was really impressive for Michigan. And to kind of add to that, Brian, uh, sorry, T, kind of add to what you were saying, this game kind of reminded me of back in 2021 when – Desmond Ritter with the Cincinnati Bearcats going up against Alabama. He's just like, all right, he had such a great season throwing the football down the field. And then next thing you know, you run up against, you run into a little buzzsaw. (laughs) And it was just, it was was so interesting to see. And a lot of people was trying to make my, make comparisons of Michael Penix to Desmond Ritter just from a play, play standpoint. But I know, I don't know about y'all, but I saw some really good things from him. It just seems like they're his receivers or couldn't make the necessary plays, like because you know they're used to him putting the ball right on the money, and then when it seemed like it was a little off, you know they were just kind of they weren't able to just make plays and, and make plays for him. So I, I think that when you think talk about like different competition, obviously during the season, you know, when different conferences and everything, but I, it was just so interesting to see Michigan being on the other side of that, right? Saying like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, UW got this great high-flying offense, quarterback, guy who's going to probably uh, a top three quarterback, uh, a prospect coming out and going to the NFL. What is Michigan going to do? This is another test. And they passed it. They just passed it. And it, it kind of reminded me of when Desmond Ritter went up against Alabama a couple years ago. Yeah, and I will tell you, I was looking at the run game for Michigan and thinking they were like, I was like, oh, Blake Corum, now together, granted, but Blake Corum and Donovan Everett and skipping Ezekiel Elliott in that very first college football playoff national title that Ohio State won. And granted, like I said, it combined, they were Ezekiel Elliott as far as yards and touchdowns. But Jarvis, before we wrap up, there was one other question I wanted to ask. And here's what I think as well. And I was listening to, you know, our very close friend uh, of the show, uh, Andy Bunker, who, of course, uh, is a grad of UW. And one of the things I, I said to him was like, you should be very proud. Like them walking into the Big Ten shows like we belong. Like th- to me, they represented so well for a Pac-12 conference that has been so beleaguered and so maligned for so long. You don't belong. You're really not power five like that. I felt like Jarvis, they really showed on some level that, hey, we built a program that can hang. Although, you know, the second half was a different half, but they showed, hey, we can hang with the best of best of them, and we did belong in this Final Four. And shout out to Caleb DeBoer as they get ready yes. to go into the Big Ten. So yes. this is what they're gonna have to get used to. So you know, and if if this is a sneak peek into what we what we're in for, mm-hmm. Big Ten is gonna be very interesting uh, going yeah. forward because you know this is this is really part of the game, right? Because you see uh, UW, although they will be able to be able to take an advantage of from the interior offensive line, they've always had some guys, some NFL-worthy um, offensive tackles. Um, number 55 last night, and then obviously down here we're familiar with Kalen McGarry. He's mm-hmm. come from over there. You know, however you feel about him, he's an NFL uh, offensive tackle. He got yeah. resigned. So those are some of the things that you think, that's what you need, right? And, and especially up front. Um, in the uh, Big Ten. So 
it was, it was really a, a cool sight to see UW going in there and competing like they did and spanking Texas like they did, you know, because we remember the, what happened to UW last time. I know, I remember Andy. He was very, very down yeah. when, when, they, when they went up against that buzzsaw in a college football playoff. So I think that's those are some of the things that you look for when you're thinking about, okay, can this team compete in this, in this, in this conference? And I think they answered that question as well. Indeed, indeed. And we're going to talk a little bit more about next season. Yeah, we're already on to the next one because there's a lot of cool stuff that's always going on between the hedges. We'll talk about it on the other side. So, guys, I know that when it comes to sports, it's an escape, right, from some of the crazy things that are going on in real life, the cray-cray, even of like our crazy weather from the last 24 hours. It's like, man, we can't keep up. But can we talk just a minute about preparing for real life and kind of still having to go back to whatever challenges you have once you stop watching your sports event? Well, according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And it can't be pretty scary, right? And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than maybe like if your kid gets sick or like my nephews got sick a couple of weeks ago and my goodness, if there would not have been medication for them. Well, thankfully, You've got Jace Medical to answer and cure all those ills. Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics to try a long list of bacterial illnesses and UTIs, respiratory infections, which respiratory infections is where everybody's concern is this flu COVID RSV season. Sinusitis, skin infections, all of those things. This stuff can happen to us in the blink of an eye. So if you visit jacemedical.com and you complete what they're calling your physician encounter, that'll be reviewed by a board certified physician and your meds will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. So to know that you're dealing with a professional physician, that the pharmacy can get you the meds that you need and get it at a regular cost, a fraction of that. Who wouldn't do that? So it's never been more important to be prepared than right now. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, jacemedical.com, code locked on to get $20 off your first order so you can feel better now. So, guys, it's never too soon, although it is too soon, right? Where Georgia's going to land this season. But before we go there, the final AP poll has been released for the year. Obviously, college football poll will be released, and we'll know who the number one is, Michigan, when they release that tonight. But it'll be interesting to kind of see where everybody else lands. Well, the AP poll that was released has Georgia landing at number four behind Michigan, Washington, and Texas. Alabama, the other college football playoff team, finished behind Georgia in this poll at number five. So when I saw this, B, I said, does this just remind you of what it should have been from the college football playoff in the first place, just in terms of the teams to make the playoffs? A little bit, but to me, it's almost like based on how these games played out and what we saw over these three games over the last week plus is Alabama and Texas should be flipped to me. Texas is the one who should wind up in that five spot. And, mm. you know, going back to the conversation of who should, who shouldn't, all of that, the one thing that stuck out a little bit and played out is that Texas had the worst loss to me during the year. And mm. that wasn't talked about enough. We kept talking about best win, best win, best win. But we mm. didn't talk about worst loss, yeah, which is the one right. that Texas had. So, but to that point of, yeah, I mean, I think the way that this whole thing played out, and I'm even, you know, I've got, uh, I spent some time in Chicago, so I've got a bunch of friends that are diehard Michigan fans, and they were having a ball last night. And mm-hmm. I was just like, man, I wish 
I wish Georgia got a piece of this team. This would have been a fun matchup to see. And of course, they didn't earn it on the field, and Michigan did, and they deserve this championship, and then some. They they earned this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it should have been like that, but I think it should have been Alabama and, and Texas flip, the way, the way that these games played out. I think yes. uh, Bama should have been three based on beating Georgia right away in that in that spot. Um, and then what do you think if you're the FSU fan? I mean, I know that they yes. had the Orange Bowl and that and what happened, and it's hard to break down everything that happened in that game. But I'm, if I'm the FSU fan, I'm the one still sitting there like, man. We should have gotten this chance. We should have gotten this opportunity. And who knows how it would have played out. But, right. yeah, I, I certainly still think Georgia was one of the best four teams this season. Yeah, and that's a great call because you're absolutely right. When you look at Texas kind of having a bit of an implosion that I don't think anybody really thought they would have, it does make you think like, oh, wow. Okay, so why was there so much attention paid to that amazing win over Alabama when nobody was having a conversation like, yeah, but even – I rarely heard anyone say, yeah, but Georgia only lost by three. I mean, Georgia didn't exactly get smoked by Alabama. So, yeah, you're right. The comparison contrast seemed to lean more heavily in favor of the win that Texas had against Alabama versus, okay, but you you, you did lose a game. You, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't come into the CFP undefeated. What about you, Jarvis? I mean, when you look at that poll and you see where Georgia lands, does it just, you know, kind of make you go, dang. And also to, to BG's point, I think that even looking last night, I couldn't help but say, I mean, I don't know that Georgia would have won it, but I darn sure know it probably would have come down to, a, I, I felt confident, like, yeah, that would have still come down to a final possession or something. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting that, you know, I think Brian, Brian makes a, big, a, a very good point as far as the Texas laws, you know, to Oklahoma because, you know, like nobody talked about that. Like you said, there was a conversation, all the conversations about, hey, they went and beat Alabama at, in their house. You know, they haven't lost there in forever, you know. So mm-hmm. it was just it was just interesting how, you know, the narrative, if I can use Arthur, Arthur Smith or a reference – R.I.P. Um, to his job, not to the man. <laughs> he just lost a job, but but I think it's as far as those narratives go. It's is another thing that I thought was kind of interesting with 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 Texas winning the Big Twelve championship. Like that was an automatic bid when he had never been before, and you know I think the AP poll got it right. You know I feel like. You know Georgia is better than Alabama. Alabama just called them slip. I'm called them slipping that on the SEC championship. So yeah, and caught them with a lot of injuries right, in the right exactly. place at the yeah. wrong time. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was very unique, a unique situation where yeah. where Georgia was going into the SEC and going to the SEC championship. So I think the AP poll got it right. I was like, man, can AP be part of the vote? You know, can they can they can they have some weight? You know, because that that's what makes sense to me. You know, when yeah. you're just looking at it, because I I feel like, you know, the the conference championship. I mean, it should have some weight, but it shouldn't be weighted that much to the point where yeah. you're keeping out a team if they were let into the playoffs. I still wholeheartedly believe this, and one of the best odds makers said it himself. He said. If Georgia would have got in, they would have been the favorite. And based off of my eyes and what I've seen, without any betting odds numbers or anything like that, they would have been the best team. They would have been favored in my eyes. I would have said they they probably would have been raising that trophy, and we would have been looking at probably a historic game if they would have ended up playing against Michigan. And I'm just like, man, I feel like we missed out on something in the last Mm -hmm. year of the uh, 14 college football playoffs. 
Yeah, and I think that's such a great point. Like, I, too, think that it's always cool to be able to say, hey, remember when we were here? Remember when we were there? Remember when Georgia did this? Or whatever your team is, to be able to say that there's a moment in time or you stamping a place in history, they missed out on that opportunity. They definitely missed out on that opportunity. And they missed out on what could have been an absolutely epic game. Like I said, we don't know 100% that Michigan would have, uh, Georgia would have won it although most of the pundits think they would have. But more importantly, it's the fact that we would have all been sitting on the edge of our seats to see, is Michigan going to make their own personal history, getting their first national championship since 97, the first that's not a co-championship since like 1946, and the last of this particular era against a team that was trying to create history or the flip side, which is a team that actually created it. You could have walked away saying the first iteration of the college football playoff had a team that three-peated. Like, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. They missed out on the opportunity of something that we'll be talking about so much more. No offense, Michigan, but we've seen 14 and 0 before. You know, we've we've seen 15, we've seen all that. We haven't seen a three-peat in this era, and that was definitely a missed opportunity. But real quick, to tie into also Jarvis and and, and Brian, what you guys were saying about where uh, Georgia would land the way too early college football rankings. Drop this morning, no shock there. And also, I think no shock, but I wanted to see if you guys agree that ESPN says the dog should come out of the gates at number one. You agree? Yeah, 100%. Uh, especially once Carson Beck announced that he was going to be back, even before these playoff Absolutely. games were going to start, it really, I mean, and luckily they've gotten a few more people back since then. We may yes. get to that at, at some point too. Um, but as soon as that was announced, I was like, okay, they're going to be number one. And it, I mean, it couldn't have been five minutes, guys, until after the game. And I got the little update from ESPN or one of the other apps on my phone, and it said Georgia betting favorite to win championship. Yes, like, we haven't even we haven't even interviewed Harbaugh on the stage yet. Nope. Guys. Like, can we elite? Can I wait till the morning? Can we have coffee until you're giving me betting odds for next year? Like, let them have this night. Let them have this yes. moment. But. Um, yeah, I just think the idea of Beck coming back and what that offensive line is going to look like um, mm-hmm. and a handful of pieces on defense as well, that, that Georgia is going to be the team to beat next season. Indeed. Jarvis, you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, And I think the determining factor was definitely the quarterback because, you know, Michigan. looking at Michigan, J.J. McCarthy is rumored to be headed to the NFL and they're talking about what type of prospect he's going to be on the next level. Right. And once that quarterback rolls out of there, I'm always with the vet. I always roll with the vet, man. I think that what Carson Beck deciding to come back and what Georgia is is bringing back, you know, this this year and, and these all the young players that got all that their playing time this year, yes. and, and for them to, to be able to lock those guys in in the transfer portal, Kirby Smart has been doing some work. So yeah, I think yeah, yeah I'm not surprised at all that Georgia is, is the, uh, the number one ranked team preseason already betting odds favorite. Indeed. And we got another reason that we think that they are dead on correct with that number one rating. But we're going to tell you guys about that on the other side. Now, the NFL regular season, yes, indeed, it is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. You customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, 
dining bets in the new Explore tab. You know, you love the new, new. Making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. Live same game parlays, finding bets in the new Explore tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and so much more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. Really simple. I'll tell it to you one more time just for kicks and giggles. Fanduel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N because Fanduel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, like you guys said before the break, the QB play is so very important. And one of the things that Kirby Smart said as we were wrapping up the early December signing, National Signing Day uh, space, and also as the portal kind of opened up but then kind of slowed down a little bit, is he was looking for that fourth piece in that quarterback room. So, yes, you absolutely are right. You've got Carson Beck. You've got uh, Gunnar Stockton. And th- this, this is great, right? And I don't even want to jack up his name, so I'm just going to say our guy from up top and keep it pushing. Polizzi. <laughs> Polizzi. I think it's a Polizzi. Good Lord. going into the National College Football Hall of Fame, and that name is on my mind, right? But, yeah, <laughs> so we got three. And so Kirby was talking about the fact that he really wanted another to round out the four, and we just got word uh, last night that Georgia landed at fourth QB, Jaden Matt. My Ava, I got that right. Jay Mayava, who started as a redshirt freshman at UNLV this past season. He's committed to play for the dogs next season. Do you guys feel like, Brian, the dogs have now that competitive, complete QB room that Kirby was referencing, or are the dogs still kind of in need of another signal caller? No, I think they're in a really good spot now. And I think this is simply a, a depth piece. I, I wouldn't read into it much right. more than that. And it's just to that point, it's it's competition at practice. It's you know, injury protection. It's bringing in a new guy. Okay, what can yeah. this guy do do in our system? Uh, you know, pro- productive out there. What can he do here for us? I still think it's no threat to Gunnar Stockton being the number two quarterback in this mm-hmm. room. Um, so right. I think it's just simply a, a depth play. Let's see what this guy's got. And then, uh, you know, who knows after next season? We could be 2025, no Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton moving on. Maybe he doesn't have the job and maybe this guy is competing for that starting position so mm-hmm. um yeah i think they're at a point now where they feel very confident about the quarterback room heading into 2024 indeed and Jarvis, do you feel like that kind of rounds them out as well absolutely because you know one thing about kirby smart you know he's he's a guy that's going to give you what he wants to give you but what he does give you is especially when he's talking about constructing this roster i'm talking about like he in the nfl or something <laughs> see a similarity <laughs> so, so I, I think though but being able to bring a guy in like this because he was being recruited by USC as well yes. and uh, Dave Uli Ungalale is a, a, an advocate for you know Polynesian players so he was talking about how you know um, he wanted to be able to get some development and for him to decide to come to Georgia and say I know y'all have a an incumbent starter and everything like that. I just want to come in and learn and be able to develop. And when you have a guy like Mike Bobo at, at that helm, who was one of the, the best assistant coaches in the country or up for the award, you know, those are some of the things that you have to take in consideration when you're a player and making these decisions. And thankfully, you had a guy like Dave that was in his ear saying, hey, if you want if this is what you want, this is where you probably need to go. And 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 the young shout out to the young man for making that decision, saying, you know what? I don't care if you got to start over there. I just want to come in and develop and get better and see what happens in the future. 
Yeah. And I love that, Brian, that he had that mindset. And sometimes it is good to have someone who's mature, who can kind of see the bigger picture, because who knows? And Jarvis, you just said it best as well. And you don't know what's going to happen. If you have an open mind and you're willing to be developed, how many times, Brian, have we seen over this entire NFL, the entirety of this NFL season, of course, with the Cleveland Browns being the best example, they went through four quarterbacks. They're on quarterback number four, and they find themselves in the playoffs. So you never know. You may become a serviceable, serviceable backup. Last time I checked, you serviceable backup for four years in the NFL, you got a pension for life. Not mm-hmm. a <laughs> Absolutely. No better, no better reason. Sorry to cut you off there, Tanisha. And you use that example with the Browns. Look at what happened to FSU this year. I mean, you could be sitting in that spot. Quarterback is staring at a monster game and a huge opportunity because say that quarterback played better in the ACC championship and they blew out Louisville by three, four touchdowns. That would have gotten that team in the playoff, you know, and who knows what that would have wound up being for them. So it's a physical sport. Things happen. People get hurt. So being a third quarterback on a team that's got a chance at a national title race, you never know if you're going to get in there and, and get significant snaps or not. Yeah. It's and it also season, BG. <laughs> it is a long season. And you know what else is long? NIL money when you're with Georgia versus UNLV. Just saying. Just yep. saying. You know, <laughs> like what if you bump up from four to three or three to two and you end up making a name for yourself in maybe one game that was a must win game for Georgia in order for them to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. And all of a sudden you become that guy. So you, you're absolutely right. I love this kid's mindset and I love that he has some people who are also thoughtful around him to make a good decision for him, which on paper may not look like the smartest thing. Hey, you're not a starter anymore. Cause I was listening to some of his uh, former teammates and they were just talking, you know, glowing things that they say about him, that he's very mature and that he's got a weapon. And so, yeah, you can use the weapon maybe a little bit better in that space, but sometimes you do have to have people around you that can kind of see the bigger picture of what could be. Now, speaking of the bigger picture, We know that we're going into kind of that space of time where we're going to be looking kind of to see if there's any more buzz between now and the National Signing Day in February as kind of a mile marker. And then another mile marker would be as we're getting closer to the red and black game. But kind of what do you guys look for in what we'll call the college football offseason that's officially started? Um, I'm going to look for like, is there any more pieces? Cause this thing, there's no kind of like limit on this thing. Are there right. one or two more transfer players as quarterbacks are settling in? Like this quarterback from UNLV just left. Are any of his receivers coming with, or are they going elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Are they going to go to this spot? You had the receiver from Louisville who he's in the portal. I didn't see where he wound up. I think he was waiting to see if DJU was going to go there, but he wound up in Florida state. So you still mm-hmm. have those like ancillary pieces of, okay, this is happening. This is happening. And even look at the the team that won the national championship last night. Is Harbaugh going to jump to the NFL? And what kind of ripple effects does that have yeah. within the team? Did they have Michigan guys that go in the transfer portal? Do they have more guys that jump to the league because, okay, Harbaugh's out, so I'm out, or I want to go somewhere else? So I still think we've got a little – I mean, we've got most of the main pieces are, are where they are, but I think there's a, still a few more fallout pieces here. Indeed. How about you, Jarvis? I, I think that the the whole CJ Allen and Julian and CJ Allen, he's getting the playing time that he did this year, and then Julian Humphrey st- deciding to come back. I think that's going to be a big deal because when you think about the guys that they lost and Kamari Lasseter, you know, going to the NFL and all that stuff, you, you just 
that secondary has been a real good, really good strength for for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs outside of that defensive line, and I think it was definitely a a, a strength uh, on their defense this year. So I think with all the experience that they had back there, so I think bringing a guy back like Julian Humphrey, him deciding to because he was waffling around a little bit, you know, and, and decided to come back uh, after announcing that he was going to the transfer portal. I mm-hmm. think things like that, those are some of the things that you got to take a look at and say, you know what? They're going to look back on this and be like, oh, I remember when he was about to get up out of here. Now he's out here playing at a very high level in the SEC, which we know is the best conference in the United States of America. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And I'll be, we'll be watching, too, because we know, to your point about Kamari Lasseter and others, there are so many dogs who are going to be looking to get themselves ready for the NFL draft. So we're going to be checking out the combine and giving you guys our thoughts and our feedback on that as well. We've got things like senior goals. I mean, we have so much that we can just talk about and we will continue to talk about with you guys about not just our current dogs, but those dogs that are headed into the NFL potentially. Listen, we appreciate you, as always, for stopping by the Atlanta football part of your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you haven't already done that, you probably want to, especially because I want you to get to know our new analyst, Brian Gephardt. So on behalf of BG, you'll hear me call him BG because that's his nickname. And you'll hear me call JD Jarvis Davis because that's our guy too. Don't forget to check us out next week. And don't forget to come back Thursday for the Atlanta sports party. We'll see you then.